Hi, I'm Dawn Quest and welcome to Essentially Women. In this week's episode, I'm going to be talking about health anxiety, what it is, why it's even a thing, and most importantly, if you suffer from health anxiety or know someone who does, I want to share some useful tools to help get you on your way to getting rid of health anxiety once and for all. I'll share with you the three things you need to stop doing right away if you have health anxiety and some more practical positive things you can do instead. But firstly, a disclaimer, I'm not a GP, I'm not a medical practitioner. So if you have any issues, medical issues or concerns, of course, please talk to your GP first and get proper medical attention. I'm a clinical hypnotherapist and rapid transformational therapist and also a women's coach. And the reason I'm talking about health anxiety today is um, because I have my own personal experience of health anxiety. It's something that's very close to my heart and it's why I do what I do. It's why I work with women with all kinds of issues around anxiety, not just health anxiety. And now, six, seven years later, I no longer struggle with health anxiety. It's no longer a big issue for me. And it's something I can happily say is um, something I can manage really, really well. So I want to share with you a little bit about how how I did that and how I helped myself get over um, that horrible feeling, those horrible issues around um, panic around your own health. Um, And hopefully that will be of some help to you, something you can, uh, you know, you can take something away from. So let's talk about what health anxiety actually is. Well, like all anxiety, it's a response, a very heightened response to a perceived threat, or let's just say a threat, whether it's real or imagined. So in the case of health anxiety, it usually is triggered by, um, it can be triggered by a real event, like we suddenly discover something different about our body, some kind of symptom. Or maybe it's this underlying feeling that something is not quite right, right with our bodies, that somehow we are not well. And health anxiety um, in itself is this over, um, over, kind of overactive response to issues to do with our health. And Anyone who suffers from health anxiety or knows someone who does can um, understands that when you suffer from this kind of anxiety, it really has you in your grip. It's terror. It's you experience sheer, sheer terror, sheer panic. And the most common, um, you know, result of, you know, having health anxiety is when we discover symptoms or have something that's different about our body. The initial response, the very first thing our minds do is catastrophize. So to explain what that means is uh, if we take two people, person A has health anxiety and person B is doesn't have health anxiety. So person B has headaches, maybe has a series of headaches and they will say, oh, maybe I should change my diet. You know, maybe I should cut out the chocolate and the caffeine and the alcohol, or maybe I should drink more water, or maybe they will find logical reasons and their response to those headaches will be very calm. Somebody with health anxiety, if they have a series of headaches, will automatically, despite all reason, despite all logic, switch to something is terribly wrong with me. I have a terminal illness. I have a brain tumour. That will be their initial thought, the very first thought they have. And after that, once they have that thought, the the response will be in the body to kick into that adrenaline response, fear, 
flight, fight. Uh, as soon as you have that thought with health anxiety, something's wrong with me, I'm dying, I'm, I'm going to die of a terrible disease, your body releases adrenaline, the adrenaline surges through your body and all of a sudden you are in that cycle of panic. And I'll talk a little bit more about this in a little bit, la- little bit later in the show, in this episode, um, because this is something, this is the clue and the key to how to break health anxiety, how to calm the whole neural system down. So I'm going to share with you my own personal story about health anxiety. And um, let's just say I grew up, you know, I was quite a healthy child. I didn't really have any issues about my health as I grew up. I I really didn't. um, I wasn't an ill child. I didn't get overly panicky about being ill. And I think where it started for me was when I became pregnant with my first child. And as soon as that happened, it was almost like a switch turned on inside me where I suddenly had this feeling that, okay, this is not just about me. This is about my child. And I have to be responsible for my own health um, so that I can be a good mom. So I can always be there for my children, for my child, because the worst thing in the world to me as a mom is leaving my child without a mother. And if you're listening to this, if you're a mom, maybe you are nodding your head in agreement, because when I talk to other women, this is something uh, a lot of women seem to have in common. I don't know if it's as soon as we have children that mama bear instinct kicks in and, you know, our desire to protect our kids from anything, from mishap, from pain, from sorrow, from anguish, means we take on this huge responsibility for our own health as well. So that's where it started. And I remember I had um, an issue. I was probably first trimester and I found um, a lump in my breast. Okay. And so it did what any normal responsible person should do, you go to see your doctor and everything was fine. So I was okay. But I remember that initial fear that started. That's the, that was the start of that fear. It started to kick in. And then over the years, it kind of kept replaying. And every time it replayed, it got more and more intense until finally, I would say five or six years ago, when I was in my mid forties, I was in a real mess. I was in a terrible, terrible mess, uh, constantly, constantly, uh, constantly on edge, constantly worrying about my body and what was wrong with me. And like most people who suffer from health anxiety, it it wasn't imagined. It wasn't imagining symptoms. The symptoms were real. You know, maybe I had a pain in my leg or a sore throat or lumps and bumps, whatever they may be. But the response to those symptoms started to amplify and become out of control to the point where all joy was stolen from my life. Um, I would go to birthday parties, weddings, bonfire nights. I remember one bonfire night, I completely feeling detached because I felt like, well, what's the point of enjoying this? I'm, I'm, I'm dying. And to anyone listening who hasn't ever experienced health anxiety, that might seem really extreme. You might listen and think, oh my goodness, what's wrong with a woman? Well, there was something wrong. It was uh, a mental issue, mental issue called anxiety, called health anxiety. And when I work with my clients, I um, whatever anxiety, whatever form the anxiety takes, I know one thing is that they are com- in complete turmoil and it's an incredibly lonely lonely place to be. 
um, I got to the point where I realized I couldn't carry on like that. You know, I just couldn't. There was, it's misery, absolute misery. Um, I mean, <laughs> I laugh about it now, but my poor GP, lovely as she was, has, um, must, my folder, my, my medical files must be huge because, you know, I was constantly at the doctors. So let's describe, having talked about that, let's describe some of the key attributes of having health anxiety. Uh, people with health anxiety will obsess about things that are wrong with them, a headache, a sore throat, a swollen gland, whatever it may be. It will become the focus of their whole day. They will Google. Dr. Google becomes their initial friend, but eventually their worst enemy. And there will be constant visits to the doctor for second, third, fourth opinions, because ultimately people with health anxiety um, there's an ultimate feeling of not quite trusting their GP, not quite trusting their medical practitioner. And maybe they've read the headlines in the paper and it's about something that's got misdiagnosed um, or didn't get checked early enough. Something happened and it wasn't checked, wasn't spotted early enough by the medical profession. And if they'd only spotted it earlier, you know, all would have been well. So I don't want to make light of this at all. And of course, I don't want to make light of this because there are people who are genuinely, genuinely um, suffering from physical illnesses. But to the mind of someone with health anxiety, you're in this permanent, permanent cycle uh, of fear, fear and need for constant reassurance. You you have the trigger, you have the fear, and then you look for reassurance. And so we'll come to that in just a minute. So let's talk about that constant need for reassurance. And this will lead me into the three things uh, you need to stop doing if you have health anxiety. And maybe you are doing them already, and that's brilliant. Um, But let's start with the need for reassurance. So when we are in that fear response where our body is flooded with adrenaline and our minds are catastrophizing and we're fearing the worst, you know, my, my neck is swollen, dot, dot, dot help panic. Um, I have a pain in my leg, dot, 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 I'm dying of some terrible disease. Um, When you are in that moment of panic, you are in its grip. Um, It's very, that's all, that's the only way you can describe it. You are in its grip. And so what do we do as human beings when we're feeling this huge feeling of discomfort? We, We look for reassurance. And of course, that's a completely natural thing to do. Um, However, the issue with seeking reassurance when we're struggling with health anxiety is that the reassurance tends to be only momentary. And within seconds of receiving that reassurance, we tend to then fall back into the old patterns of anxiety and anxious thoughts. And sometimes it can be even worse. So we'll look at some examples of how that happens and the kind of ways we seek reassurance and how it can be actually counterproductive. The first one is we will Google. Okay, lovely, lovely Dr. Google. Uh, The internet is a wonderful thing. However, when we sit down to consult Google, ultimately, we will find all kinds of scenarios and stories and symptoms which will raise our alarm bells our alarm level, our threat level even more. If you Google headache, ultimately you will find lots and lots of 
disastrous situations that involve headaches. You won't, your mind, our minds are the way they are. Our minds will look for the threat. Our minds will look for the danger. So we'll ignore the little line that says you're okay, it's just a headache. Or we might say we might be momentarily soothed, but then we'll see all the other screaming headlines which put us on high alert, which make us think something terribly is something terrible is wrong, and we'll go and call up our doctor or you know start digging ourselves into this hole that is health anxiety even further. Uh, the other thing we will do is um, check our symptoms. Um, is that lump bigger today? We'll constantly rub it, look, in our, you know, look at our throat, examine that spot, that mole, rub our leg if it's hurting, Constant, constantly, constantly checking. And what we're trying to do is reassure, us, reassure ourselves that um, the symptom is going away. So let's just check, make sure, make sure the lump is going down, make sure the sore throat is going away. But of course, <laughs> what we're doing, our minds give us more of what we focus on. So if you rubbed a lump, you're going to think, wow, actually it is bigger. It is bigger today, whether regardless of whether or not it actually is. So even though momentarily we'll have that soothing, calming feeling of reassurance, then we'll be like, oh my goodness, maybe it's bigger. Maybe it is bigger, that lump today. Maybe my pain is increased. And again, that will set off that adrenaline cycle, that cycle of adrenaline. So we'll we'll dig ourselves even into more panic. And the last thing we'll do, that there are other things we do, but these are the key ways we seek reassurance. The last thing we'll do is we'll check in with a loved one. You know, could you check? Could you just check? Could you feel this lump? Could you check my back? Could you check this mole? Which of course is on one level, these are all sensible, logical, rational things to do. Okay. But when they become obsessions, when you're checking, you know, five times an hour, 10 times an hour, when your whole day is taken over by thoughts, obsessive thoughts about your own health condition. So I want to be clear here. If you, of course, have any symptom, ongoing symptom or new symptom that you are concerned about, it is always best to get a medical opinion, some medical advice. This is all about after you have that medical advice, after you've been reassured that everything is okay. This is about managing those anxious feelings about your health, your body, any obsessions, any obsessive thoughts. This is about controlling them so that you don't stir up more anxiety, more stress. This is about managing the stress of dealing with symptoms, dealing with issues that are going on in your body. So saying that, uh, knowing that the ways we seek reassurance actually contribute to more anxiety, there are three things that you can instantly do to instantly stop doing to help yourself calm your nervous system, calm down that initial response. So one, make a commitment to stop Googling your symptoms. You just have to do it. You have to go cold turkey. Do not Google your symptoms and make a commitment to never Google your symptoms ever again. Eventually, a year from now, or six months from now, or three months from now, when you are feeling a little bit calmer, you'll be able to Google symptoms and you will not be triggered. But for now, if you are triggered by um, looking at your symptoms, then do not Google. Okay, make a commitment. Do not Google your symptoms. The second thing you can stop doing and must stop doing is stop checking in with your symptoms every hour, every minute. Okay. Recognize, okay, I have a sore throat. I have a sore throat. It's okay. 
you know, I'll give it a day. I'll give it two days. That's fine. I am safe. I'm just going to give myself a day, maybe see how I'm feeling tomorrow. What you're not going to do is go to the bathroom mirror and examine your throat every half an hour, because again, that will trigger that adrenaline cycle. Okay, so that's the second thing to stop doing. And the third thing to stop doing, and if you have struggled with health anxiety for a while, maybe your loved ones are getting a little bit impatient with you, bless them, (laughs) they will, And they may love you to bits, but um, they will be trying to reassure you as much as they can. But actually, it's not working. So do not seek reassurance. Okay, don't check in. Don't ask. Of course, it's, you know, ask for a cuddle, ask for a hug. But try to avoid asking your friends and loved ones to check your symptoms for you to reassure you. So those three things are three things you can stop doing. And will help if you stop doing. And the whole aim of that is to calm your nervous system down. Okay, what we're trying to do is to calm that initial adrenaline response, because the more you can practice calming that adrenaline response down, the more effective, the calmer you will be overall. So I want to talk a little bit about even why why health anxiety is even a thing. And as with every um, form of anxiety, whatever form anxiety takes, anxiety is the mind's way of keeping us safe. And I'll often talk to my clients, it's one of the very first things I explain to them, is uh, back when we were cavemen and women, the part of our brain, the limbic brain that was responsible, you know, our brains were very underdeveloped at that time. And our main job in life was to stay alive. So as human beings, we could reproduce and keep the human species going. So our minds were very highly, highly primed to uh, sense danger. You know, dinosaurs, saber-toothed tigers, whatever it was, we were on constant high alert because being on high alert meant staying alive. So today, most of us live in relative comfort, in relative safety, not all of us, but in most countries, we live in this, the luxury, the privilege of having, you know, comfort and safety. And so we don't need to be in high alert constantly. It's just not needed. However, the mind is still, still primed to keep us safe, to look for threat. And for some issue, for, for some reason, our minds, the minds of people who suffer from health anxiety fixates on health and fixates on health being the major threat. Now, why? Why does that happen? Why for some people do they get anxious in crowds? Why for some people it's health anxiety about health? Why for others it's anxiety about, you know, being in confined spaces? Well, in my work as a clinical hypnotherapist, you know, my work is all about the subconscious mind. And the things that have happened to us in our life, usually when we are children, that have created beliefs about ourselves, these subconscious beliefs about who we are. And it's the kind of the the program that's constantly running at the back of our minds without us even knowing about it. So our conscious brains are saying, oh gosh, I need to get up at eight and I need to be on the road and I need to, don't forget to pick up eggs at the supermarket. That's our conscious brain running, going through the daily, daily tasks that we have to do. The subconscious brain that's con- continuously running is the programming, our beliefs. And I like to um, compare it to a mobile phone. So your subconscious mind is the operating software that's running the phone. And our conscious mind are all the apps, all the whistles, all the bells that make the phone kind of a fun, fun thing to have. 
And of course, with a subconscious mind, just like a mobile phone, you need to upgrade it every now and then. And a lot of us are running on uh, an old operating system with beliefs that were formed when we were younger. And these could be things like, I'm rubbish at maths, I'm useless. I was never brilliant at school, I'm useless, I'll never learn, I'm useless at learning new things, or I'm really not very sporty, I'm rubbish at sports. These are things that happen to us and beliefs we made about ourselves from experience. But of course, the experiences we have as a child um, are perceived with a child's brain. And as we grow up, we can say to ourselves, yeah, I didn't really get maths when I was at school, but I really can do it now. You know, I wasn't very sporty at school, but I love sports now. I love physical exercise. So we can upgrade our subconscious beliefs. We can upgrade our thinking. And how this relates to health anxiety, and it goes back to kind of my own experience. What was this thing? Why did health anxiety become a thing for me? And what I have noticed with my clients, and not all of them, this isn't this is a generalization, is that I've noticed that health anxiety tends to happen to people who growing up had to be really responsible for themselves and maybe responsible for others. So siblings, parents, other people they felt a huge responsibility for. And maybe these are children who grew up um certainly in abusive households, but maybe in neglectful households and not neglectful in a, you know, a dangerous way, but maybe where parents weren't attuned to the child's emotional needs. And the child learnt that the only way to survive was to rely on themselves, which created a lack of trust in others, a lack of trust in adults, a lack of trust in, you know, later on, this becomes medical professionals. So this becomes this hyper uber kind of sen- sensitivity. I am responsible for my own health and safety. I cannot rely on anyone else to look after me. I need to do it for myself. And that's what I found the subconscious belief that drives a lot of health anxiety. This feeling of being on their own in an experience that they are solely responsible for getting themselves out of. Um, and again, it's my experience that I've seen with my clients, but not all of them. And I think health anxiety is a fascinating area of study, um, which in order for us to be better at, at solving it and curing it and helping it, understanding where it started, where it started from is really key. And I think in my own experience, it was this sense of having to be responsible for myself. I alone am responsible for my own health and safety and well-being and therefore, my children's, as a result of that, my children are responsible on me for, you know, I'm I'm responsible for them. And um, so I have to make sure I look after myself and I can't trust anybody else to do it. So I have to be hyper vigilant. And that's the key. It's the hyper vigilance to um, hyper vigilance to what's going on in the body, because if I catch it quick, I can cure it quick. You know, that's the thinking. And maybe there's an issue of control in there as well. If I can, if I find this thing that's wrong with my body soon, I can control it. I can control my life. I can keep my life on an even keel. So that's my experience of where health anxiety can start, where it originates from. And certainly not the only way it can start. So the good news is um, health anxiety is something that can be managed Uh, In some cases, and in mine, definitely, it can be completely eradicated and eliminated. 
And that's not to say I don't have health scares, I do. And I still have fear about health in some ways, but it's not this constant, constant uh, background to my life. It's not, it doesn't take over, it doesn't overwhelm. And when I talk to my clients, another thing I tell them is, uh, if you're in the grip of anxiety, it feels like you are in the grip of this huge monster. It's a monster issue and it has its grips on you. It feels like an external thing that has you in its clutches. But what I tell my clients is anxiety is a habit. It's simply a habit. It's a habit of thought. It's a habit of feeling. And then it's a habit of action. And that that pattern, the trigger, the thought, the feeling, the action, that's called a looping thought pattern generally speaking. And again, I'll talk about triggers again in another episode. We'll have a trigger which sparks a thought, which creates a feeling, which then creates an action. And of course, then there's a consequence. So anxiety is a habit. Our minds have got into the habit of responding in exactly the same way to a certain trigger. But of course, it's this habit isn't particularly helpful. It's not a good habit like exercising or eating right. It's a negative habit habit that has a negative impact on our lives. So just like any habit, anxiety is a habit that can be broken, that can be changed. And that's a sincere belief of mine, that anxiety is a habit that can be changed. And the way we do that and the way I do it is with a little bit of the subconscious work with clinical hypnotherapy and rapid transformational therapy, but also with the conscious work, which is training the brain to respond differently, training the brain to choose a different response to different triggers. There's a book I recommend to all my clients. It's called Self-Help for Your Nerves. It's by a lady called Dr. Claire Weeks. And sadly, she's uh, deceased now. She's, um, but she rewrote the book on anxiety, literally. Um, and it's based on the, the, you know, the premise and the absolute biological fact that when our bodies, every single emotion we have is our bodies releasing a neurotransmitter, a chemical, a hormone. And when our bodies release these chemicals and neurotransmitters and hormones, um, they enter our bloodstream. They increase, they increase, they increase, they peak, and then they gradually subside. Okay, we can't constantly be happy. We can't constantly be in a state of elation or euphoria. We can't constantly be in a state of intense anger. We can't constantly be in a state of intense fear, although it feels like it, I admittedly. (laughs) But knowing and understanding that anxiety, that feeling of panic, is exactly the same. It will... Uh, increase in your body, the sensation of anxiety will increase in your body, it will peak, it cannot go beyond a, beyond a certain threshold, and then it will subside. Uh, so she bases her, um, you know, her method on that, that um, instance. And once we can accept that the feeling of anxiety is just a feeling that will peak and then eventually subside, we understand that actually We will always have anxious moments in our life. There will always be times when we'll feel anxious, but we no longer fear anxiety. We get through it. We won't be in its grip. Anxiety is no longer something we are we are frightened of because the cliche, the irony of anxiety is the more anxious we become, 
the more anxious we become, if that makes sense. So the more anxiety we feel, the more we are going to feel anxious because what happens is when we have that instant fear, our body releases adrenaline. What adrenaline does is it makes our hearts beat faster. It increases our blood blood flow, our, our breathing. It puts us in a state of high alert. But this state of high alert can actually amplify pain, It can amplify other different physical sensations in our body. Just the fact of our racing heart can make somebody feel anxious. So anxiety can make our hearts beat faster. But for some people, a racing heart is reason enough for more anxiety. So we kind of get into this anxiety spiral where it spirals out of control. And Claire Week's self-help for your nerves, she introduces a technique that I have nicknamed FAF which is about floating with the feeling, accepting the feeling, letting it fade. And by doing that, you're allowing your body to calm itself down as it naturally would. And the more you do that, the more you dampen and deaden the fear response. So I definitely recommend that book. Um, I think it's not very expensive on Amazon or any other uh, bookshop. It's a very, very helpful book. Just a disclaimer there, it was written in the 70s. So she talks a lot about um, back in the day, you know, the practice of giving sedatives, which of course we don't really do now. But I would say take from that book what you think is useful, take what you need. But it's certainly, there's a lot of case studies in there, which certainly reassured me when um, I read it. So definitely read that book. The other three things to do, stop Googling, stop checking your symptoms stop seeking reassurance from your loved ones. Those three things will also work to calm down your nervous system. So with health anxiety, there's lots more I could talk about, lots more I could share with you. Um, If you have any questions about health anxiety and some of the, the methods I use to help my clients, please do Email me, contact me on uh, my social media, Dawn Quest Coach on Facebook and Instagram, or you can email me at dawn at dawnquest.co.uk. There is a free meditation for you to download called I Am Safe, and you can find it on my website, dawnquest.co.uk. Click on the link to the free meditation library. The link is completely free. Um, You can just uh, sign up for it and you will receive it in your email, in your inbox. And this meditation I've designed for those moments when you really are in the grip of panic. And it's something to listen to that will help ground you bring you back to the present. And um, one of the best antidotes to health anxiety, which is all about the future, health anxiety is about catastrophizing the future. One of the best antidotes to that is bringing yourself back into the present um, and bringing yourself back into the moment that your body is absolutely looking after you. The millions and millions of functions and processes it is doing automatically without you even knowing is phenomenal. It's keeping you safe. You are safe in this moment. In this moment, you are safe. In this minute, you are safe. In this hour, you are safe. So these are things to say to yourself. In this moment, I am completely safe. You know, I'm not going anywhere. In this minute, I am absolutely safe. I'm sitting at my desk. I'm having a cup of coffee. I'm good. I have things I love. I have my loved ones. In this hour, in this day, I am safe. So it's all about bringing yourself back to the present and using those five senses, what you can see, what you can hear, what you can feel, what you can smell, 
what you can taste if you're, you know, drinking coffee or having a chocolate, something like that. But it's all about grounding yourself in those moments of panic. And I want to share something with you as a final note. It's something I shared with a client today. When you are, if you're struggling with the do not Google, remember that the moment that you, if you're resisting looking on Google and Googling your symptoms, the moment you give in and say, okay, I'm going to search for my symptoms on Google, that's the best it will ever get. That moment your body will be flooded with endorphins because you've given yourself this release. But as soon as you start Googling, it all goes downhill. Okay. So know that in the moment where you're really, really resisting and really, really want to give in and Google your symptoms, know that in that moment, you have to make a decision, make a choice um, and decide that I'm not going to do this. I'm going to do something that I love better. I'm going to go and stand outside and breathe, take some nice deep breaths. I'm going to stay grounded. I'm going to stay present. Okay. So I hope you found this episode helpful today. But before I go, if you are struggling with health anxiety, I want you to go really easy on yourself today. Anxiety is exhausting. It takes a huge amount of energy to maintain this level of anxiety all the time. So just be really gentle with yourself. Take good care of yourself and know also that this doesn't have to be forever. There is hope for people with health anxiety. There is a way to break that anxiety cycle. So bye-bye for now. Take care of yourself. And I hope you'll join me, Dawnquest, here next week on Essentially Women.